For anyone who doesn't know me, I'm Anna. I've got no theological education or reason to be up here other than I believe that God prompted me with something last Sunday. It might just be for me, so if it is, you'll just have to just forgive me that I'm just airing my prompt, but I just wonder if it is something for us as a church. So as of from last week, we're looking at post-resurrection stories of Jesus, but before I begin, let's just pray. Father, please be with us now as we look at your word and ponder on what you are saying to us as individuals and as a church. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for those who were at the 1040 service last week, it's a little bit of a mini repeat on some bits, so I do apologise. But you'll be aware that we've already looked at this post-resurrection story of Jesus. And I would like to think that this might be called part two of John... It's very echoey, is that why? Probably. Where do I do it? Here. Thank you, Chris. I can't put it too far away because I've printed it out really small. Now I'm a bit worried I can't even read it. I've got my reading eyes, this one with my contact lens. Anyway. So last Sunday morning, we were looking at what uh, this, this story and I did, you know, this might be part two, so I've said that. So for those who didn't hear John's sermon on the passage last Sunday, this is a very quick recap and a bit of a repeat, sorry if you were there, but it gives a bit of context for what I want to say tonight. So from the passage that we've just read from the Gospel of Luke, we see these two disciples, one called Cleopas and the other who many scholars believe was Mary, Cleopas's wife. So for now, we're going to call them Cleopas and Mary. So Mary and Cleopas have been in Jerusalem for the Passover festival, but what a difference to this year's festival. For Mary and Cleopas and other Jesus' followers, the Passover week had started with such hope, cheering Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem, their longed-for Messiah, God's anointed one, the one whom they had been waiting for for generations. But all their hopes had been dashed as the one they'd followed had been crucified and they were leaving Jerusalem disappointed and disillusioned. John then put forward an equation, if we could have the next slide, Dave, please. And this equation he was saying is that expectation, take away reality, equals disappointment. And we see that in this story. If our expectations are high, and the focus of your high hopes does not come to reality, then we are disappointed. So a trivial example, if you read a holiday brochure, they don't really exist anymore, do they? And we see the photos and the colours of the sea and the smiling faces and you purchase your ticket and you arrive at your destination with high expectations and the reality of the resort has not been accurately depicted, then you are disappointed. When John and I booked our honeymoon in a little travel agent in Woolwich High Street, we saw a photo of a beautiful ancient Greek port in Kefalonia crystal clear seas, and we read the description of a cosy, cool apartment in walking distance of the sea, and we committed. We, it was days before the internet. We had really high expectations, long time before the internet, actually. The reality, though, was somewhat different. Now, Kefalonia has got some stunning coastlines, but the whole of the island, apart from one little bit at the top, was wiped out in an earthquake in 1953. And what was built in its place was 1950s concrete, an architecture that would remind you more of a city suburb than a feast of Greek history. 
Now, the only place left standing was where the pictures were taken in the north of the island. But our apartment was actually a concrete bunker built under the driveway to another property, a bit like a Greek hobbit's house. It was, as they said, cosy and cool, but that's because it was cramped and damp. And those were the days, obviously, before Google searches and TripAdvisor reviews. We had really high expectations. The reality of the property, not the honeymoon, was low, and we were disappointed. So should we not have expectations so that we protect ourselves from disappointment? The next slide, Dave, please. John then quoted the Canadian author, Ellen Montgomery, who writes Anne Green Gables, and she, is it a she or a he? She, sorry, shows I've just pinched a quote. She said, blessed are those who expect nothing, for they shall not be disappointed. And we could live like this. Maybe in order to avoid disappointment, we should have no expectations in life. But as John highlighted last Sunday in part one, if we adopt the stance of not having any expectations in life, like a relationship or a better job, just to avoid disappointment, then we live a life without hope, and a life without hope is not really a life at all. Now, for some people, the reality of life has been really tough, and their life has been so disappointing in so many ways, it's understandable, maybe, that their expectations begin to lower and dwindle. John then took us through the disappointment the disciples were feeling on the road to Emmaus. They had such high expectations, and the reality had not panned out as they hoped. They were on a road of disappointment and grief and loss. So what we can learn from this text and what should our next steps be if we find ourselves on a similar road? So that's just a bit of context. Now, part one of this road to Emmaus was full of great insight, so worth a listen on Trinity website. Now, I get the privilege each Sunday of hearing the Sunday morning sermons twice, which most of the time is a real joy. <laughs> You're probably thinking the same now. I don't want to hear this one again. But last week, during the second service, the second time of listening to the same sermon, I felt that God was prompting me to spend more time with this passage. And in particular, some of the words that I read out, that propped out to me. And particularly the words, we had hoped. We find these words in verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And they go on in a bit later and they say, and what is more? And it made me think about the times when I've thought of Jesus and I thought I had hoped. And sometimes I even go on to say, and what is more, Jesus? I also thought that you would do this or help in this. Can we have the next slide, Dave, please? Oh, thank you. I had hoped. Maybe some of mine might be, I had hoped that all my boys would be in a relationship with Jesus. I had hoped that you would reveal yourself to me more, Jesus. I had hoped that I would hear more of what you're saying. Reflection on one of the songs we were singing, I had hoped that this depression would have gone by now. I had hoped that I would have broken this addiction. And what is more, and we go, well, I go on in more, I had hoped. Now, looking at these words and the reactions, you could think that my expectations were high, and the reality was yet to be seen, so I became disappointed with God. And on reflection, I probably stopped asking God to intervene in some of these bigger issues, stopped praying for certain people and for certain hopes. But I felt God was saying to me last week, your expectations of me are too low. 
Start to see what you can expect from me. Let the reality be mine. And yes, there will be earthly disappointments, but don't stop expecting. I believe that Jesus was asking me the question, what are your expectations of me and why are they so low? Next one, Dave, please. Are my expectations of Jesus low because sometimes the reality doesn't have the outcome that I think it should have and I feel disappointed? Have I had higher expectations of Jesus at different times in the past? Higher expectations of his touch on my life and on the life of those I love and when he hasn't come up trumps for me and acted in the way that I think is reasonable to ask, then I've stopped expecting him to do almost anything, maybe to avoid disappointment. So I've been pondering and reflecting on these words, and so tonight this is kind of like a part two of last week's talk, which I've entitled Raising Our Expectations. Next slide, please. So this evening, I would just very quickly like to look at this passage from a slightly different angle, to look at the expectations of these followers of Jesus, to look at how Jesus responds and a bit of what I've been learning from this text this week about myself and my own reflections on this word and what our next steps could be. So as we've said, Cleopas and Mary had high expectations, they had high hopes and they were then on their way back to wherever they were going, just going away from where they were in Jerusalem with their hopes dashed and their expectations gone. Jesus came alongside them at this point and listened to their woes. He listened as they let the man that they didn't know was Jesus, they know that they had high hopes for Jesus. They had hopes he was the one that they'd been waiting for, but he was dead and it was too late. Now Jesus' response was quite interesting. He doesn't empathize or sympathize. He actually just calls them foolish and slow to believe. And he has to go through the whole story of the scriptures to remind them of what was needed to fulfill God's covenant with his people, remind him of who he was. Now, when John was talking about this, it just like burned inside me that Jesus was wanting to say to me, Anna, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that is in the scriptures. I have promised you so much. And just because at times my reality hasn't been your reality, please don't lower your expectations of me. Maybe there are others here tonight who have found that their expectation of what Jesus can do has been lowered due to life's disappointment and some of us have just given up asking. We've lowered that expectation and we've metaphorically turned away from Jerusalem and start walking back to Emmaus with our head low in disappointment. And the next time we're faced with the situation, we might lower our expectations even more to the point where we don't even ask or believe anymore. Or maybe it is just me, and this is just for me. There are situations that I realize that I've almost given up on God ever intervening with, and it can sometimes feel like what is the point in expecting him to do something when he hasn't been doing it. But in the midst of our journey, though, Jesus is with us, whether we recognize him or not. Cleopas and Mary did not realize that the man walking with them was Jesus, even when their hearts were burning within them. And at times, we do not see Jesus is with us. We don't recognize his presence, but he has drawn alongside us and he's forever attempting to burn his words in our hearts and wants us to recognize his presence when this happens. 
When Mary and Cleopas arrived back in Jerusalem and told of their encounter with Jesus, we read that the other disciples were also excited because Jesus had just appeared to Simon too. No one seems fussed that Jesus has just seemed to appear in more than one place at one time. How many other people did Jesus appear to that day? He's either a very fast runner or he is the almighty and he wants to meet with those who needed him on that day, whether in doubt or in hope. In 1 Corinthians, we read that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. So he did do something amazing. So what's going on behind the scenes? We read sometimes the Bible, don't we? And then we gloss over. But maybe, just maybe, we're reading about miracles here. And do we believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do we believe that the same Jesus who met Cleopas and Mary is wanting to meet with us today? Then we have to expect the following. Next slide, please, Dave. We have to expect that Jesus will walk beside us when we need him. He already knows what we need. He's God. He recognizes when we have lost faith, when we have not understood, when we need to reevaluate. And like we, um, with Cleopas and Mary, he didn't give up on them. He chose them to walk alongside. And Jesus wants us to know that he is walking alongside us in our disappointment. And he wants us to, to expect to see this is the outworking of his spirit and his power in our lives and in the lives of others. Next, please, Dave. Jesus does not always reveal himself. We may not always recognize Jesus in the ordinary every day or see him or realize that he's helping us on our journey, but he is there. We need to believe that he's acting in situations even if we can't see them and even if the outcome isn't what maybe we had asked for. It's been said that coincidences happen when people pray. And I've heard a few of these just recently. On Monday morning, just while I was thinking about this, I went to Waitrose, still thinking about what was, God was prompting me with the day before. I bumped into a member of Trinity outside the supermarket. And just naturally in a conversation, he told me of a couple of things that had happened to him recently that at first had surprised him until he looked back and saw that actually they were answers to prayers that he had dared to pray. I then went into the store and bumped into another lady who used to come here on and off and came with us to New Wine. But her life is complicated and she's been going through a really bad time. But she came up to me and she was so excited and she said, Anna, I hear that Mary and John were praying for me the other day and that day I felt a stirring to get up and I felt much better, and I rang Mary, and she told me that I'd been prayed for by name that morning, and I'm now out of the house. It's good, this prayer, isn't it, she said. Now, she didn't know that Jesus had come alongside her. She didn't necessarily recognize him at the time, but he acted on the prayers and the expectations of Mary and John, and Jesus brought his reality into this person's life. Now, probably we know many, many more stories where we have seen God break through in people's lives. And we also, of course, have got stories of where God appears to do nothing. But should we allow the latter to stop us from expecting the former? Should we allow our disappointment to lower our expectations of Jesus? And the next one, Dave. The last thing was that Jesus wants his word to burn within us. Jesus wants us to be on fire with love for him through reading his word. We've spoken about this a lot and I still struggle sometimes 
I'm sure that the words he says to Cleopas and to Mary could be said to a lot of us. Jesus probably thinks we're foolish and slow for not taking his written word to heart, to not allowing it to burn within us, to open his book and read. Do we sometimes put expectations on Jesus that may not line up with God's best plan for us or things that aren't, don't line up with scripture? Next slide, please. So I wonder if our, our equation could look something like this. High expectations of Jesus minus his reality, not ours, equals faith. It equals trust. It equals hope. And as we said earlier, a life without hope isn't worth a life at all. Now, we can't really change the reality bit. That's up to God. Whatever we do, God is God and we are not. But I can raise my expectations in order to do this. And then I can have faith and trust and hope in him for the outcome. Next slide, please. Tim Keller, an American um, pastor and author, writes the following. God's sense of timing will always confound ours. His grace rarely operates according to our schedules. And we'll see this with our expectations and the reality. God's timing is not our timing. We shouldn't allow slow or non-existent answers to our prayers to lower our expectations of him. Max Licardo, another writer, writes the following. Contentment as you wait, a state of heart in which you would be at peace if God gave you nothing more than he already has. And that's a challenge to me. But that's God's reality. His purpose is his will. Now, last Sunday promoted, prompted, promoted me, goodness sake, prompted me to pray about those things that I have maybe lost hope in things that I feel are now impossible, things that I've even just put to the back of my mind to reignite my expectations of Jesus. Now, I've spent this week thinking about this and I've written down two things, particular things, that I'd begun to lose hope that God would be at work in. And tonight, I would like to bring them before Jesus and I want instead to have high expectations for the outcome. I know I'll need patience and peace and and perseverance to face the reality and a large portion of trust in God for the outcome, to have hope in all circumstances because of who he is and what he's done for me. Now, I don't begin to understand how all this works, why some things come to reality that we pray and some don't, why bad things happen to good people, why our prayers seem to go unheard at times, but I felt prompted to share this with you and I hope it might encourage others who are in the same boat as me to have faith for those bigger prayers. Max Licardo again, he writes, prayer is that whole process that reminds us of who God is and who we are. I believe, he says, that there's great power in prayer. I believe that God heals the wounded and that he can raise the dead but I don't believe that we tell God what to do and when to do it. God knows that we, with our limited vision, don't even know for which we should pray. When we entrust our request to him, we should trust him to honour our prayers, but with his holy judgment. Maybe we should move towards being a church of people with high expectations of Jesus able to support each other in the realities of life, whether they go well or they don't go according to our will. 
and to trust God that he is in control, never giving up on us. Robert Louis Stevenson, you've probably heard this before, author of Treasure Island and other classics, grew up in 19th century in Edinburgh in Scotland. As a child, he was watched with fascination as the lamplighters came down his street, punching, sorry, street lighting the gas lamps. You'll see why I said that in a minute. And with his face pressed up against the window, apparently Robert as a child was said, look, that man's punching holes in the darkness. Do you want to put the next slide up, Dave? I wonder if we need to expect more for God to punch holes in the darkness, to reveal himself to us and the world. I wonder in a bit if we could just spend some time in prayer, asking God to come to each and each one of us as we're on our own roads to Emmaus. See him walking by our side seeing and asking him to spirit to burn within us and to show us if there are things that we have stopped expecting God to act in, things that he wants us to continue to bring to him in the reality that he is God. And as John said earlier, he can do immeasurably more than we could even ask or imagine. It may be something in your family, a prodigal in your family, worries about money, desires for the future that might seem impossible. Let's ask Jesus to show us again those things that we have lost hope for. Heavenly Father, in the words of Max Licardo, we need to hear that God is in control. We need to hear that it's not over until he says so. We need to hear that life's mishaps and tragedies are not a reason to bail out. They're simply a reason to sit tight. Corrie Ten Boom said, when the train goes through a dark tunnel and the world gets dark, do you jump out? Of course not. You sit still and you trust the engineer to get you through. So I'm going to leave this image of the lamplight on the screen. Helen's just going to come and just play. And I wonder if we could just be quiet for a few moments if we could just maybe think about those I had hope moments. I don't know if you all have one where you just literally, I had hope this would have been different. I had hope my son would now love Jesus. I had hope this, that, or the other. And we just be quiet and ask God to just prompt us to think of things that we could maybe then raise our expectations in. So Father God, we just invite you to come now into our presence to speak to us, your people, here this evening. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray, and touch our hearts. Speak into our minds. And just give us more hope in you. Let's just spend a bit of time quietly with him.